Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Bingo! He is hard to believe. guys welcome back to dime dropper for another 2021 22 nba post game recap our first one in a long time or a couple of weeks i should say before we get started please make sure to subscribe on all platforms at youtube at dime dropper podcast apple podcast follow us on spotify and of course to follow us on all social media platforms at twitter instagram facebook and tiktok at dime dropper pod check out my latest videos I went to the Celtics game in Massachusetts for my graduation where I just came back from. So go check that one out. A different gaming experience. You know, being in the East Coast, seeing where I used to live in college and all that, if you want to see that side of me. And then my last two vlogs, Patrick Beverly's return. I got the whole video tribute, the intro. Go check that one out. And the best seats, thanks to a season ticket holder that we that I follow on Twitter, let me and a friend move down to his seats. And it was awesome. I was really up close. Got some great footage there. And then last night at the Bulls game, I have that one that I just recently posted. Some great shots from Levine DeRozan and just good seats overall. Big thank you to uh, our subscriber, Sammy Fish on the YouTube, Royal Blue on Instagram. Rick, thank you for the ticket and thanks for inviting me. Dime Dripper fam, if you want to hit me up for a game, check, uh, my DMs are open. And we I'm always down to meet up with you guys at the games. So tomorrow I'll be there again as well. So make sure you check out those recent vlogs. Try to give you guys the content from inside the arena. For tonight's episode, we're going to talk about the Rams against the 49ers. The second consecutive loss for my Rams. It is looking tough. Is it time to panic? Rams fans, comment below. And then, of course, we're going to start off with the Lakers and the Bulls. A trouncing, a sweep for Chicago in Los Angeles this weekend. And we're going to be breaking that all down tonight. So let's start off with the Bulls and the Lakers. LeBron's still out of the lineup. One thing I noticed with the Lakers is I'm looking at their starting lineup, and it seems like it's changing all the time. Vogel has not seemed to figure out any rotations, and that's just the tipping point. We're going to really get into that in a second. But you look at the starting lineup, you got Westbrook, Avery Bradley, who's now been inserted into this starting lineup. Because I guess Bazemore's shot was inconsistent. He was making boneheaded plays. Laker fans, drop the comments on why you think that switch was made. We have Carmelo Anthony starting at the four. You know, obviously more of a traditional three. But in today's NBA, the four is dead. So threes are all playing the four. AD, traditional four, playing the five. Because we've been crying out for that all season. As Laker fans and basketball fans in my case. The other starter was, I believe, THT. And THT, this was his second game back. He played against San Antonio yesterday. And I thought he played very well. And I thought he played well in tonight's game as well. The only thing I have to say about this Laker lineup, though, is that they're very small. Westbrook and Bradley are a small backcourt. And THT is only 6'4". So even though he's a bigger guard, you can say the same thing about Westbrook to an extent. And Bazemore, who's listed as a small forward here on ESPN, but he's also 6'4". So what I've noticed about this Laker team, if you go down the line, is they don't really have any forwards outside of Anthony Davis 
if you count him as a forward, but he's been playing the five. So really, it's just Carmelo and LeBron and Ariza. I just I count Bazemore as a small as a small uh, wing, as a big guard, you know, a tall shooting guard with some length. But they don't really have any forwards. And tonight, that you saw that was exploited by the Bulls because DeRozan and Levine they've been fantastic one on one especially DeRozan, who's been having the best season, in my opinion, of his entire career. 26 points. He's in freaking year 13 right now, having a resurgence of a year. And he's going in that, getting in that mid-range area. And once again, guys, I've been saying this for a long time, and I said it in Is the NBA Getting Better and Better, which, again, I always suggest you guys go watch that. In my, uh, It's my best video I put the most time in. The differences between the NBA in the past and now, and I'm going to get into some things because I've been noticing a lot more things, especially with these rule changes. But one thing about DeMar DeRozan is I don't think it's his lack of three-point shooting that is the reason why he has not progressed into that next tier of players. I think that he has had amazing regular seasons in the past, and I think, yes, to an extent, the three-pointer, because this is a three-point era and it's taken him a while to develop that, has hurt him a little bit, but it's not the main thing. I think it's more of a confidence thing. And when the lights get brighter, when the game gets more physical, when the spacing tightens up, I think that's when he has faltered in the past. And he was one of the few players or teams that I ever really saw get intimidated by LeBron teams. I think teams used to not really get intimidated by LeBron teams, quite frankly. The Pacers, the Celtics. Uh, but I do definitely think like teams like maybe the, the Hawks in 2015, I just think they lack skill. But the Raptors, you could really tell with Lowry and DeRozan, they used to get rattled by those Cavs teams. And DeRozan, I really don't think it's a lack of three that has killed him. I think it's a more of a mental thing. But right now, he is playing great. He's getting in single coverage in these one-on-one -on -one situations due to the spacing of this modern NBA and that the Bulls have. And he's cooking. He's making everything, seemingly. He's even making threes. And you've got to credit Zach Levine, as we've talked about before, because the Bulls are the only other dime dropper team we're doing outside of Los Angeles this year. They're the only team I bought league pass for. And Zach Levine's done such a great job sacrificing and making him comfortable and also being able to get his buckets, which he was getting tonight. And I think that Avery Bradley, as good of a defender as he is, was just struggling with the length and height of DeRozan and Levine. Levine has great, has a great vertical leap. Obviously, he's famous, first came to fame in the NBA for being a back-to-back -back dunk contest champion in 2015 and 16. But he's obviously developed his game so much as a, becoming a superstar in this league, which I think he is. And he's really improved on his defensive effort uh, this season. And the Bulls just play fantastic defense. But before I get into their defense, I just want to say, yes, Levine gets great elevation on his shot. And Bradley was struggling with that. I thought that, you know, they got Melo involved in pick and rolls and such. I think the Lakers switch a lot. And I think that they have, they, they're not terrible at knowing what defensive personnel to switch. Overall, though, they're just small without um, LeBron. I think LeBron is a great great in terms of like how big he is. He takes up a lot of space on defense, and I think they miss that tremendously. I also think the Lakers miss Austin Reeves a lot, his energy on defense, and he's really been one of the better perimeter defenders for this Laker team early on in the season. But the Bulls' defense was so spectacular, and it's been great all season long. In my opinion, the Bulls have been the best defensive team in the league just off of my eye test. I think they're so connected. They're like, for example, there was a play where one of the hardest plays to defend in the NBA today is High pick and roll when the ball handler or when the guy guarding the ball handler goes over the screen 
So then the big man has to step up, and a guy like AD would be rolling to the basket for a lob. And when you have shooters deep in the corners, that's a long rotation to make for guys from the corners to come in and take that lob away. But I remember in one play in the first quarter, there was a situation like that. AD was uh, rolling to the basket. I think it was AD, either him or Dwight. And both Javante Green, I think, and Lonzo or Caruso, two of those three came from each corner to take away that pass. Either one of them could have gotten the steal. And it just showed me how quickly and how ready they were for the next pass. The Bulls are on all cylinders, rolling on all cylinders, and they're taking it to these teams on both ends of the court. And you got to give credit to the coaching because when you see a team that organized so early in the season with so much roster change, you have to give some credit to the coaching staff. Obviously, the players more so. It's a player's game. I always say that. But credit to Billy Donovan, Mo Cheeks, and the staff because they are so connected on defense. The only problem I see for the Bulls potentially in the defense is their interior defense. They switch a lot, though, and the guys are holding their own. And a guy that's really holding his own on defense is Lonzo Ball, who had a point to prove tonight. And I am a big Lonzo fan. I always have been. He's my favorite ball brother. You know, my obviously family. My dad went to UCLA. Sister goes there now. So um, I, I did think that Lonzo team got way too much hype, though, that him and TJ Leaf. But I do like Lonzo, and I root for him to succeed. And he is succeeding in Chicago. And I'm so happy for the situation that he's gotten himself in. A franchise with a winning history. You know, Michael Jordan, a great legacy. Third most rings ever. Big market. All eyes are on him, and people are enjoying them. I'm enjoying them. They need to be on national TV more. It's a crime that they're only on so few times. And that's why I got league pass. But Lonzo, one thing I thought the Bulls did a really good job of was they were turning defense into offense very quickly. And the Lakers have done a really poor job this season of playing with pace. And that's one thing that me and the Lake Show talked about in the season preview. The Lakers need to push the ball. And especially, you know, LeBron is used to be a locomotive in terms of fast breaks with Miami and in his first seven years in Cleveland. But he's a little older now, so he may not be able to run all the time. But with LeBron out, there's really no excuse. You got to get the ball and you got to run. And I think right now the Lakers are struggling to get rebounds. And I think the Lakers are struggling to defend because they're so small. And because they just don't have that size. They lack forwards. And Russell Westbrook, Wayne Ellington, Malik Monk, and Rondo don't really offer much defensively guarding the ball. You know, Westbrook has moments of good defense, but for every moment of playing pretty good man one-on-one defense, he has a poor closeout or he's in no man's land. And, you know, I like Westbrook. And clearly he has a stand of fans that is going to defend him in every mistake he makes. But I'm going to keep it 100 with you. I like Westbrook, but his defensive days where he's like even a good defender to me are gone. He's very mediocre on defense. And the Lakers have a lot of mediocre defenders to me. And LeBron, they really miss him on defense, honestly. Because at least with him and AD, you have some interior protection. Because LeBron takes up so much space. He doesn't really close out to shooters. But he takes away the paint a lot better than a lot of players in the league. Because he's a proper big forward. You know? He's a real uh, combo forward to me. Not just a three playing the four. He could play the four because he's so big. So he can guard most fours. I do think that one he can guard one. The five narrative is a load of shit, though. He can't guard elite fives and fours, and he's never been able to. But most fours, he can, still has the strength to do it. Like I remember with Blake Griffin and Pau Gasol, he used to give him, a, give him a run. But in today's NBA especially, he's a space taker-upper on defense. So they miss LeBron, definitely, on that end as, as well. Because, you know, AD gets pulled out of the paint, and the Lakers have nothing on the weak side. They have nothing rotating to the basket. 
And I think that they just teams get too many easy baskets on these dudes. And that doesn't, as Westbrook said in the pre, in the post game, set they don't get a chance to run because they're not getting enough stops. You know what I'm saying? And other teams are able to run because they get stops and they score. They make the Lakers play half court. And one thing I realized tonight was the Bulls were making a concerted effort to double team AD and make somebody else beat they'll beat them because they saw what AD did last night or yesterday afternoon against San Antonio. And I thought that was his best game of the season, Anthony Davis. And tonight I thought that he wasn't terrible, but I noticed in the beginning they were doubling him on every play and the Lakers were not making them pay. It was a very make or miss, you know what they say, make or miss league. Bulls were 15 of 34 from three, 44%. So they were knocking him down. Lonzo being the catalyst for that seven of 10 from three there was a stretch in the third quarter where he was not even hitting rim. It was all net every time. It was unbelievable. But I'm going get to get into Lonzo a little more in a second. I want to talk a little bit more about the Lakers' half-court offense. 18.8% from three, 6 of 32 from three. They continued to keep shooting and shooting every half-open shot from three that they got. And I just think that the Lakers did not generate good looks. And a large reason is the Bulls' defense. But the Lakers, I just do not think that they're... First of all, we know that Vogel is not a great offensive coach. He never has been. They're very contingent on the dominance of LeBron and Anthony Davis and Rondo as decision makers. As In terms of how they won that first championship, that's what it was. Very contingent on LeBron, AD, and Rondo as decision makers and very reliable defenders all the way around. They do not have the reliable defenders all the way around anymore. That's a problem. And then when their offense is... So the thing about guys like Mello, Monk, when the, and Ellington, when they're not hitting, they are very... What else are they doing? Ellington moves well without the ball, but he played, you know, 21 minutes tonight, one of six from three, and that was all the shots he took. So he has no other ways he can beat you. If his three-pointer isn't falling, he's nothing. So that's one thing, right? Malik Monk is a good on-ball creator sometimes, but there's other nights where he does absolutely nothing, like tonight, two points, one of five, and 0 of three from three. And a big reason of that is because Caruso is always guarding the point of attack, and he's fantastic at that. He gets over every screen, and you almost like, he's like just breathing down your neck. Like a, He's the best in the league, maybe. Maybe I'm giving him too much credit. You give me, get set, uh, let me know in the comments, but... Caruso may be the best player in the league at getting over screens in this NBA. A lot of guys just die on screens now. They don't get low. They don't, they don't take the right angles. But Caruso, he just gets there. And he has great anticipation and lateral movement. He does it without fouling. Even though he does get in foul trouble here and there, he does as good a job defending without hand-checking and fouling as anyone in the NBA. And I think that he does a great job guarding the point of attack. And we saw that last night and tonight. But Monk, when he can't score, he's got nothing. And he's the worst defender in the rotation. And another thing, Vogel has not figured out his rotations. They're all over the place. Bazemore, 12 minutes. DeAndre Jordan came in in garbage time for 7. Dwight Howard with 13 minutes. Rondo, 18. Ellington, 21. Monk, 27. Bradley barely played after he couldn't make shots in the beginning. And again, Bradley didn't have the best defensive game, but that's rare. He was playing against two of the... This is the highest scoring duo in the NBA right now with Levine and DeRozan. So at the same time, Laker fans, you did play a very good team. And you clearly... You know, it's it's not very convenient that LeBron was injured so early in the season. Russ and AD are not very, like, familiar playing with each other. And there's a lot of new guys. Ellington's just coming back to the Lakers. Monk is a new addition. Mello is a new addition. Dwight's coming back. 
So I don't think it was very ideal, you know, LeBron getting hurt and Russ and AD are able to just, with the snap of the fingers, be able to be superstars. They have to be really playing at their best, and I don't think that they have. I think AD made some decent passes out of the doubles in the early going of the game. Lakers weren't hitting shots, but I think that there were also too many times, and this was, uh, actually, I'll go to that in a second. One thing I noticed in the second quarter, so the Lakers were down like eight points after the first quarter, and in the second quarter, they were hanging around, around down around five points, and they were in the in stri- within striking distance, basically. And I thought Russ did a good job in the rest of the first half of attacking and being aggressive. And, you know, he's got that mid-range shot on the left side of the court off the glass, the Sam Jones shot, down pat pretty well. I think he should try to keep looking for that more in games because I think his percentage on those shots are pretty damn good. And I think he did a good job in that first half. Overall, I think Russ in the first half was good. Same with THT. But other than that, not much. I think THT gives a lot for the Lakers off the bounce. He still doesn't have a left hand. He still doesn't seem too comfortable stopping and popping in the mid-range. But 29 points tonight for him, or 28 points, I think he's going to be a bright spot going forward for the Lakers. I'd almost think maybe they should bring him off the bench. At least, I think I think they're trying him to start with LeBron out to just have another ball handler creator. But he doesn't offer too much as a catch-and-shooter to me, even though he still made some decent threes. I mean... Yeah, he was 4 of 9 from 3, so scratch that I said that. Maybe you should use him as a starter. But I don't know. I think Vogel really needs to figure this out because he's all over the place. Uh, I'm not the coach of the Lakers, so you guys give me some suggestions. What do you guys think should should happen? My thing is with these Lakers is they have a lot of guys that are around the same level of good, and they're not that good. They're very average. Like Bradley, solid role player. You know, he's only getting worse. Wayne Ellington, solid role player. Never has had a huge part in a very good, memorable team that's gone deep in the playoffs, if I'm wrong about that comment, but I think I know my shit to remember if Wayne Ellington was ever on any team. Like I think he was on the Grizzlies. Maybe that's the most relevant team that he's been on that made the playoffs, and that wasn't one of the Western Conference. That wasn't the 2013 Grizzlies. Uh, Malik Monk, he's a young player. He's only been in the league for four. This is his fifth year, and he's never made the playoffs, I don't believe. Which, yeah, he's been on Charlotte, so he's never made the playoffs. And then Melo, I mean, he's not necessarily known for winning as much as I like the guy. So I just think that a lot of these... Melo's definitely... A, he's definitely a rotation player. Like, there's no doubt about that. I don't mean to disrespect Melo like that. He's a rotation player, but everybody else is very around the same. You know, Reeves, THT, these are good players, but I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's tough. He has decisions to make, and I don't think everybody can play because I think guys are out of rhythm. Rondo, what's his role in this whole thing? You know, when LeBron comes back, is Rondo going to play? It's just... It's tough. Uh, you know, is Ariza going to play? It's at this point you may have to because the the length the Lakers have they're limited, but anyway, yeah, there was a lineup that the Bulls rolled with guys, Dasunmu, Javante Green, Alex Caruso, Derek Jones Jr. and Demar Derozan, five guys six nine and under. And you're calling me? I don't want to hear this bigger, faster, stronger bullshit again. Those lineups would not fly against most teams in the history of basketball. Dwight Howard was the only big guy on the court for the Lakers. He didn't get fed once. Laker fans, let me know. Would you like Dwight Howard to get fed in those situations? Do you trust that he can score on those kind of guys? He used to be able to score on those kind of guys very easily. He still never has had the most reliable skill in the post. He may get fouled. It's just the Lakers... And this is the thing with a lot of teams. And this is what I was going to say about the rule changes are really exploiting some guys and their lack of versatility in terms of 
every single player in the NBA today, it seems, it's all face up at the top of the key, high pick and roll isolation. Like there, this is the reason why I think DeRozan's thriving so much because even with the rule changes, the areas in which he gets the ball, mid post, elbow, he he, you know, within one or two dribbles, you are closer to the basket where you can pull up or do something, which is why I like seeing older eras of basketball because these are the areas in which they operated in and how they got points when congestion was a thing. Right now, it seems like when guys can't get all the way to the cup, they're just shooting contested jumpers and they don't have any plan B. There's no interior presence. The back-to-basket skill is not looked at anymore. And I just hate that because, you know, I grew <laughs> You grew up with, you know, and this is why I'm getting, I'm seeing comments about Anthony Davis in his post position. Yeah, I think AD's done a much better job of in the last two games posting up a little more, but the areas in which he posts up are too high. Lonzo did a great job of keeping him beyond the foul line tonight, and I think there were times where AD just kind of stopped trying to push him further. And you know, again, if the refs aren't calling it fine, you know, AD got ejected. He clearly was frustrated about something. Maybe it had something to do with that. But, you know, let Vogel get into it. Let guys, let it be blatantly obvious that Lonzo needs to foul you to stop you from getting in your spots. You are a big man. You are 6'11". You are bigger than him by half a foot. You need to get on the block. And I think Vogel needs to be more creative with his play calling. How about a little cross-screen action for AD like James Worthy used to do? You know, or like that curl they used to run with LeBron at the top of the key. AD curls around and will get the ball and bounce into a little floater or runner. You know, how about Russell Westbrook as the screener once in a while? Maybe he gets some action on the short roll. I just think the Lakers' offense lacks creativity a lot. And I'm wondering, Vogel, he's not making any adjustments in the second half. Again, the same story you saw against Minnesota. The Lakers got destroyed in the third quarter. And AD actually started playing a little better in the third. I thought he caught the ball in better areas, picking rolls, popping out to the elbow, and making his mid-ranges. He actually was starting to get going before he got ejected, which is a sad part. But the problem is every time the Lakers missed, and again, they couldn't make their threes, and the Bulls' defense was so sharp. And another thing, AD's not putting enough pressure on the defense posting up beyond the foul line. When you get to the block and you space around that, it's much easier to swing it, and it's also easier to turn before the double comes. Everyone's acting like these doubles were lightning fast. They were all right. There were still a couple times where you had right room to turn. The problem is you're not turning from 15 feet away, and that's not an efficient shot. You know what I'm saying? 15, 16 feet away, turning around, contested with the second defender coming. You're Not, not everybody's Kobe or Jordan that's going to be able to hit that with consistency. And I just think that AD's passing out of the double team, still not very good, is getting better, still did not get enough help from the shooters tonight. But he needs to post up deeper, man. He needs to post up deeper. And I think Melo needs to go to the post a little more too when guys are struggling to hit shots. Face up, everything face up, jumpers contested, catch and shoot threes. The jumper's not falling, there has to be a plan B. You cannot just let the jumper... And that's what too many teams do nowadays. They just let the jumper and the threes and they don't go in, dictate their entire game. There's no creativity off ball because it's not a taught skill anymore. That's why Nico, that's why I said it is the NBA getting better. That's why Nico Batum and Mikhail Bridges are so valuable to their teams because they're not just D guys and three guys. They move and cut on the weak side and they're very good about that type of stuff. Intelligent movement off the ball, you know, and that's why I think they stand out on their team. And that's why Nico is so much better than a guy like a Marcus Morris Sr. And I think a guy like a Marcus Morris Sr. would fit into this Laker team fairly well. He's stagnant. He can probably score one-on-one -on -one a lot. But when his shot's not going, what else is he giving you? And he's not very creative in moving off the ball. And he doesn't get you easy baskets. That's exactly what kind of player the Lakers have right now. They need... And LeBron's going to help. That's why it's not time to panic and say, 
oh, you know, the Lakers are not going to win the championship or any of this stuff. These are just bad habits. And the next game is against the Bucks, and that's not going to be easy. But I'm going to close out with this with the Bulls. Lonzo Ball, man, they did a great job of pushing the pace on Laker misses. And in the third quarter, Caruso and Lonzo got several outlets out to DeRozan and Derek Jones, and they just were able to punish the Lakers on the break. And Lonzo just got hot from three. And I just love the way he was hitting screens hard, like coming off them hard, stopping and popping for 18-footers, and just making the right reads. Dwight came up on the next one, and he just got downhill and went all the way to the rack. And it was beautiful just seeing him read the defense like that, being able to hit that mid-range. So now he keeps the defense honest and hitting threes, and he looked like he had a point to prove. And I'm really proud of Zoe. Like, I'm just happy to see it. That's the final. 121-103. The Bulls absolutely wiped the floor with the Lakers. I thought Westbrook was not good enough in the second half. He was 0 of 6 from 3. I don't think he should ever be shooting 6 threes in the first place. 8 of 19 from the field overall. 25 points, 6 rebounds, 8 assists, and 4 turnovers for Russ. I thought, I think he only, I think he had like 18 points in the first half. So like only 7 in the second. And of course AD was out, so not enough. AD, 20 points, 6 boards, and 4 turnovers. 6 of 9 from the field in his 28 minutes before the ejection. Only one assist, which shows you that like a lot of Laker teammates just did not make the Bulls pay off the double teams. And credit to the Bulls. They're... And another thing, when you post up deeper, it makes the rotations harder. And I think the Bulls were able to rotate fairly easily tonight. And they have good length on those type of rotations. Carmelo, 9 points, 4 of 10, 0 of 4 from 3. Not much tonight tonight from him. Avery Bradley, as I said, was only 1 of 3 and only shot 3s. Only played 18 minutes and finished with 3 points. Taylor Horton Tucker, best shooting, like, you know, game high for the, or team high. For the Lakers in points, 28 points, 6 boards, 9 of 19 from the field, 4 of 9 from deep, and 6 of 6 from the line. And not much to report off the bench. As I said, Ellington 1 of 6, Monk 1 of 5. As for the Bulls, Derrick Jones Jr. had a very great game off the bench. 13 points, 3 boards, 6 of 7 from the field. Alex Caruso, 0 points, but you just had to watch the game to see what he did. Six rebounds, five assists, two steals, a plus 28. He just great defense guarding the point of attack and guarding ball handlers. DeMar DeRozan, the game, or player of the game for me, either him or Zoe, take your pick. 38 points. Most of them came in the first three quarters. He was dominant. He was not able to be defended. Six assists, 15 of 23 from the field. 2 of 5 from 3, and 6 of 6 from the line. He was incredible. Zach Levine, 26 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 10 of 22 from the field. The majority of his shots were 3s, 6 of 13 though, but he stayed efficient from deep. I still don't like him falling too in love with the 3, but they're won by 20 points, so you can't complain. Lonzo Ball though, 27 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 steals, Amazing defense, 10 of 13, 7 of 10 from 3. He was phenomenal. 121-103, the Bulls, 37 and 25 in the 37 to 25 in the third quarter, which ended up being the difference. 17 turnovers for the Lakers. And we move on to the next. 37 to 25 is the big one. That third quarter. Lakers have been struggling on these third quarters immensely. Now, briefly to the Rams. Really, there's no positives to take from this game against 49ers. 
Matt Stafford, you know, he's had an amazing season, but he's really struggled these last two weeks. Two pick sixes last week, if I recall correctly, that completely killed the momentum of the game. Tonight, he started off with a pick, I'm pretty sure, on our first set of downs, and, or, yeah, our first series, and it was like a, it was one where you could tell it was going to be a pick two full seconds, like, before the, the interception was caught, because, like, I know Odell Beckham Jr. stopped running, but... It was easy, easy. <coughs> that set a poor tone. I thought the O-line got broken through again so much this tonight. Just like against Tennessee. And we could not stop the run for the life of us. We just got outplayed on both sides of the ball. Cooper Cup was dropping things. Nobody played well. And I'm really starting to be concerned because that's two terrible performances in a row. And... It's almost the home stretch of this season, and with the moves of Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. coming to town, we have expectations to win the Super Bowl and get there, especially with it being at home. We need to do this. We're going all in with this McVay era, Aaron Donald era, and we need to capitalize, and this has to be the year, so we need to clean it the fuck up. If you have any comments about the Rams, drop them below. Tell me the X's and O's, because you know I don't know as much about football, the X's and O's, the way I do basketball. Anyway... That's it for me tonight, guys. Make sure to check out the videos, as I mentioned. Patrick Beverly's return vlog. The videos have not been, I don't know, I've not been, right now, as you guys noticed, the YouTube algorithms have not been favoring us lately. They've not been getting us the views that we want or that were happening in the playoffs. So, man, keep telling your friends. Keep sharing our stuff. Keep clicking it as soon as you can. Leave a like. Leave a comment. Let's get back in the favor of these algorithms to get these, these rooms crowded again. Uh, check out my last video, Pat Bev's return, the Bulls game. So many Bulls fans. I'd never seen anything like that. And yeah, I'm trying to give you guys the best content possible. Let you guys follow the Clippers season each step of the way like a true fan would. Next game is tomorrow against the Spurs. I'll have no video tomorrow. Obviously, you have two videos that I posted today, though. This one and then, obviously, the vlog of the Bulls game. And then on Wednesday, I'll have the Spurs video up. And depending on who's playing that night, I should be going live. I also have something to announce that me and Asher, one of our previous guests, are going to be partnering up for something called ColorCast, which is going to be sometime a thing where I'm live broadcasting a game. And I think I'm going to be doing Hornets and Wizards. So, guys, go download the ColorCast app. I need to, if I can get this, guys, if you get enough of you guys in there when I'm doing the room, I'm going to get to be paid $100 per game to do this. So, guys, that would be awesome to add to this, me doing a game live, getting paid for it. So, please, go download the app ColorCast. And go check me out on Wednesday with Asher. I'm probably going to be doing color commentating on some Clyde Frazier Stu Lance for a little bit. He's going to have to leave at halftime, and then I'm going to see what kind of style you guys want. I'll also be able to add you guys to the call during commercial breaks to get your thoughts on the game. So go download that app. I'm really enjoying. I would really like to interact with you guys. All right, guys. Now we're going to go to the live chat for our loyal subscribers, 20 of them waiting so patiently. Thanks so much, and good night.